Let, let me um, just list out the three things I think we should focus on here. One, there are no other gods except God. There are no other gods. There are no other gods. There isn't another god. There just aren't any other gods except God. The Philistines, they get the Ark of the Covenant, which is just a box with gold covered it and angels and stuff like that. And they put it in the temple where their God is. Now, their God is a big, tall God made of wood, apparently. You know, I don't know, totem pole looking dude or, but he's just one guy. So he's not really totem pole, he's a bunch of dudes. Um, and, and that's very usual. They made their God with their own hands and, and they had a place for him. They had a priesthood. They knew how to worship their God. And, and, and if they won a battle, they would take the other people's gods and put them in there to show that they were subservient to, to Dagon. Well, they just won a battle against Israel, whose God is God, much to the shame of Israel, they carried the name of God, and, um, but because of their sin, they lost this battle. But the God of the Jews has no idols. The God of the Jews, he's the God who has no pictures of himself. He's the God who has no statues of himself. He's not, he doesn't want any statues of himself because you can't come up with what he is. You can't take credit for making him look like he looks like. But he had a box, <laughs> And it was the Holy of Holies box, the ark. So they said, well, we'll stick that in there. And um, beautiful to see. <laughs> they go to bed, they get up, and Dagon is, boom, face down. <laughs> What's he doing? He's worshiping, worshiping at the box? He can't be because he's made of wood. It's God's way of saying, Dagon is, you may have beat the Israelites because I let you. But your God is not God. So they pick him back up. You, you think through that. The priests pick up their God. If you can pick up your God and put him back up, maybe he isn't God, but it doesn't hit him yet. In fact, it never hits them. Because as we heard in the text, because of all these bad things that happened to Dagon, they actually honored the threshold more. So they stand him back up. Maybe they thought, how did he fall over? I don't know. He just fell over. They, they didn't think, they didn't put two and two together and see that it had something to do with that box. So God made it clear the next time. And does this not sound like some sort of mob hit? The head is gone, the hands are gone. Luca Brazzi swims with the fishes. <laughs> you know, they whacked him. <laughs> so the head's gone, the part that speaks part that thinks, the hands, the parts that do. I don't know why God cut off the head and the hands. I can't figure that out. So then they got the picture. This, this thing thinks it's, 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 it's got some sort of lordship over Dagon, and it did. It, it's not just an ancient thing for people to worship gods that they make with their own hand. It's true today. People worship gods that they make with their own hands and with their own minds. But listen to what God says in Exodus. He doesn't say it just for the Jews, for all mankind. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And by the way, there are some people who 
who go to an extreme and say he's just outlawed all art. But you can't take a text out of context and make it a pretext to argue what you want. You can see by reading the very next line, his point is do not make these things and worship them. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandment. The Philistines were disobeying the God who made them by inventing their own God, Dagon. Cool name, cool name, but not God. I... um, by the goodness of God, I have had the opportunity because of missions to travel to some places and I went to Bali in Indonesia and there are gods everywhere, everywhere. They're mostly made of cement and a lot of them have uh, scary faces. Some of them are pigs. They're everywhere. They're at every business, every home, Right? They're made with their own hands. You can buy them. You ever go by the road and see a bunch of like lawn decorations made out of cement? Well, they have that, but they're gods. And you go buy your god. Guess you need a god. In India, same. Saw people worshiping a, a, um, a cow and a monkey. But it wasn't even a real cow. It wasn't even a real monkey. Although they do worship Real cows, <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty fond of cows in India, but they won't eat them. Um, but they, they make a cow, and then they'll worship the cow that they made. Now, India has more, over a billion people. You might say, well, America, we don't, we don't do that. Well, in a way we don't, in a way we do. I was walking through the airport in um, Chicago, and I saw a Buddha, big old picture of a Buddha. And it was being promoted in the positive, and it wasn't Buddhism. You know what it was? Because the way we worship is by buying things. We do good deeds by buying things, and we worship by buying things because we're a consumer culture. Have you noticed that? Have you ever, do you ever go to these stores, especially the more hipster, the better? And uh, you can buy some food that saves a life. Have any of you seen that? Yeah, it says, buy this food, save a life. Right, <laughs> And then you could read the back and it tells you how by buying this food, someone lives, which is a lot of pressure because you may not be hungry, but are you going to let them die because you're not hungry? But then the cost is kind of low too. I ain't going to save a life if I don't get something to eat out of it. <laughs> That's the way we are. Well, this, is, this was Alex and Ani. Any of you ever heard of Alex and Ani? I had, some of you, see, ladies are way ahead on these trends. Um, this is a whole jewelry company that's dedicated to symbols. So I had to look them up. The elephant, you can get elephant, elephant jewelry, symbol of true strength. Wear the elephant as a reminder of the power that lives within you. They sell an evil eye thing. Remember last week I talked about how the Cubans always, where they sell you one. They'll give you the evil eye thing. They, they have the path of life stuff, the tiger cuff, and all these things are, they're doing it. They're making idols and putting them right in our ladies. But you know what? Even in an abstract form, we create our own gods. Um, how many of you see those um, bumper stickers on people's cars that say coexist? Right? And they have all the symbols of all religions. 
by the way, there's a cross or something on there, they don't really mean it about that. (laughs) Um, They don't want to coexist with you because there's a fatal flaw in you for the coexist, and that is our God says you shall have no other gods. So we're the ones who I don't want to play in your reindeer games. I'm not going to do it. I mean, if there are many gods, if there were lots of gods then yeah, it's fair to coexist. Or if there are no gods and all gods were invented by humans, again, it seems kind of equitable. Let's all just be nice to each other's little gods. But (laughs) if there are no other gods, that's just a, a, a Dagon bumper sticker. God said through his servant Solomon, who will come in, uh, to, to First and Second Samuel. He said, Solomon said this, let these words of mine, which I have pleaded before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night. And may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel. That's just a prayer. Bless us. Good prayer. As each day requires. And then he ends his prayer like this, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Uh, Here he was, um, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ, saying, Israel's God is God, yet all these other nations had their own God. And Solomon stood and, and prayed out, all the nations need to know there is no God except our God. Very politically incorrect. Incorrect. He would definitely be banned on Facebook and Twitter for that. All the nations need to learn it again. They always need to learn it. All the peoples need to know there is only one God, and it is the God of the Jews and the God of the Christians. It's the God of the Bible, put it that way. Philistine's God needed human repairs. You'd think that would tell you something. If you gotta fix it. You know, someone's running out to get the Elmer's wood glue because someone cut your God's head off and you gotta fix your God and now you serve your God? Now today, we're more sophisticated. So people will say, listen, I get it. Jesus is the way and all that business. There is only one God. But is it not possible there are many expressions of that God? You know, the, the Buddhists who don't know any better, it's Buddha. And, and all these things. <laughs> no, not possible. It's absolutely impossible. And I'll give you two good reasons. One, the other gods are not like God. Allah is not like God. Allah is capricious, unpredictable, and angry. And he rewards people who die with virgins. Well, that doesn't sound like God. You know what that sounds like? A man who wants to have a lot of sex invented that one. Right? Right? Duh. That sounds like us. It's not God. Hindus? (laughs) Man, 
Westerners, you know, rich Westerners, Hollywood types, and they think it's so cool to, to sit cross-legged on the floor and go home and search within and have a guru and change your name to Vishnu and, and think that's cool. You should go to, to India and see the Hindus. Their gods are not happy. Hare Krishna is not nice, right? They're angry. They're mean. They're scary. There's a, there's a, real, a real hell that they deal with. They, you, you have to, <laughs> you got to serve them. In Indonesia, did you know people go out every day in Bali and give food to their gods? Every morning. You can go out early in the morning and see women and others. They'll put it on their head. They carry it out. It's a little tray, cardboard tray. They put food down in front of their gods on their businesses so their businesses will prosper or their homes will prosper. Now, the ants and the pigeons come and eat the god's food because cement gods can't eat, but they don't seem to get that. Look, it's gone again. There's ants all over the tray. The gods of the so-called natives in the jungles scare them. They're frightened of them. They, 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 they live in rivers and trees and they'll come out and eat your face off if you don't sacrifice to them correctly. They're threatening. Our God transcends the stuff of earth. He does not need anyone to serve him food. He does not need anyone to serve him at all. He doesn't fall over on his head, and if he did, you couldn't pick him up. He does not promise men virgins, which would say women are second-class citizens forever. He transcends these things. He's bigger than these things. He doesn't need an orange He doesn't need you to make him happy. He's happy. He likes himself. He's pretty pleased. God gets up every day and goes, I'm awesome. Great day. Or something like that. The second reason is God declares how he shows himself. He does not leave us in the dark. Uh, Either the God of the Bible is the only God or the God of the Bible is not God. He is definitely not one of the gods. He does not leave that option. He says, he says things like this. Pay attention to the, all that I've said to you and make no mention of the names of other gods nor let it be heard on your lips. Exodus 23, 13. Alternative versions of God are not allowed according to God. So, well, maybe, maybe, maybe Buddha is just another expression of Christ. No, you're not even allowed to say it. You know, maybe Vishnu. No! It's not allowed. God, you cannot find God. You can't do it unless he shows himself to you. Right? You, God makes sure that he shows you enough to know he's God, even if you don't have the Bible. The heavens tell of the glory of God. The creation screams out to us all that he's there. But you cannot find his holiness or salvation or find out what he's like, anything. You can't do it. 
He shows himself. It's called revelation. It's something revealed. You can, there's two kinds of knowledge. You can have knowledge you can discover. It means it's just sitting out there for you to find. And there's knowledge that has to be revealed. Like you can discover that pizza exists. You can discover it. There's pizza in the world. There's pizza all over the world. Pizza's a beautiful thing. But to find out what your friend actually likes on his pizza, you can't discover that. He has to reveal it to you. He has to tell you. So it is with God. You can discover God made something, but you can't discover what he's like unless he shows you. That's why John 1.18 is easy to pass over in John because there's so many cool things in chapter one, but we shouldn't. We should take our time on this one. Ready? No one has ever seen God. Okay, so that means no one knows what he's like. It's not just see eyes. It's you just, you don't know what he's like. No one. You, well, I've, I've searched the whole earth. You're not gonna see God. Love people who say they're atheists because we've seen the whole earth and didn't see God. Where? Under a rock. Okay, the whole theory is if he made everything, He's not hiding under a rock. <laughs> those are called worms. He made those too. No one has ever seen God. Now watch what it says. The only God who is at the Father's side. There is a God at God the Father's side? Yeah. His name's Jesus. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. What has... The only God at the Father's side done according to this text. Look for yourself. Do you see it? He has made him known. What did Muhammad ever do to make God the Father known? He wasn't at his side. Right? The way you know God is the way he shows himself. If this is the true God then he can't coexist with other gods. And if there are other gods, then he is not. God talks to the world through his word. His word manifests itself through the prophets in the Old Testament. The spirit would come and they would speak and write. But in the New Testament, we see that God has a new way of talking to the world. It's through the revelation of himself. He, he came down. Philip says, Jesus, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus responds, have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Watch this, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's the Old Testament. God spoke to the Jews through prophets. He, he revealed who he was. What, whatever you could know about God, it was very little, came from prophets. Came from people like Samuel and Moses and Isaiah and Daniel. Well, watch this. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. It's a new age in the best sense that you can use that term. <laughs> it's a new time. It's a new era. 
Now, if you want to hear from God, yeah, you still have the prophets and what they said, but they only confirm and point to a much greater revelation. And that's Jesus Christ. So when, when, when a prophet shows up, someone who says they're a prophet, they're not needed. You're not going to reveal something that we don't already have. God now speaks to us differently. He speaks to us through his son, which the apostles gave us what he said, the Holy Spirit lives in us, and now we see Jesus. So when Joseph Smith comes along and says, well, God has shown me something, and he invents the Mormon religion, and they come up with three or four more scriptures, he's a liar. Mormonism is wrong. That means Glenn Beck is wrong about religion. I'm sorry, he seems to like Christians, but he's wrong. You know, it means when the Watchtower Society shows up at your door with the Awake magazine, they're wrong. They have no new revelation. It means when a man named Muhammad says he sees God and writes the Quran, he has written trash. Because in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, by whom he... This isn't just anybody. He, he, he appointed him heir of all things. Through him he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. What do you do with that phrase? <laughs> Who can fathom what? You want to see God's glory? Look at Christ. I can't explain it, but that's as close as you're going to get. Can you separate the radiance of the sun from the sun? The heat, the light, the power? No. Well, Jesus is that shining knowledge of God into the world. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And yet somebody's going to tell me that perhaps God is expressing himself through a monkey which a man made and another man lays prostrate in front of in fear that he will die. No, I don't think so. No, God is not expressing himself through Hinduism, through washing in the Ganges. He expressed himself, as he said right there in Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, through the Old Testament prophets and then through his son. He's not revealed in a cow. He's not revealed to those who look within. That's what Americans like. Look within. Look within and see the real me, the real power in me. He's not revealed through Buddha. God doesn't coexist. God doesn't play nice in the sandbox with other gods. You know what he does? He kind of explodes their heads. Really messes up the whole coexist thing when God explodes the heads of the other gods. Do you think if he chopped off Dagon's head that he's going to have any mercy on Allah? Do you think fat Buddha smiling? I went to, I was in Thailand and I went to this temple. You had to climb a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of steps. Because Buddha don't give a dang about people in wheelchairs. <laughs> and you get to the top and there's Buddhas all over the place. Gold Buddhas everywhere. And then in the middle, there's a whole bunch of gold Buddhas that people travel from Japan and other places and they march around them. I marched around too and read the book of Matthew a little bit. But I just wanted to laugh at the Buddhas. In fact, I sat down next to one. 
Because if I shove it out a little bit and pull my shirt up, I kind of look like a Buddha. The missionary with us said, don't do that. So I got up because I didn't want to be disrespectful. But what will God do to the Buddha? He's going to chop his head off. You're not respecting Eastern religion. You're doggone right I'm not. I don't respect it at all. I can respect a Buddhist, but I can't respect Buddhism. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. And that includes the name Krishna or Allah or whatever you want to give it. Second point, won't take as long. I think that needed a lot of attention. It's a pretty big deal that there's only one God. Second, God will protect his own good name. Israel sullied his name. God defended his name. Seems like a big, big problem. Sometimes people don't want to let on, especially new Christians, um, that they struggle with doubts because they're afraid it will give God a bad name. (laughs) God can protect his own name. Israel sullied his name. They did not serve him. Their priests were greedy and bad and the people were the same serving other gods. So they went into battle and the Philistines beat them up because God was trying to show them stop and repent. They didn't stop and repent. They went and got the holiest thing, the ark. They came out and said, yeah, well, look at my big brother. We'll beat you up now, right? They got the ark. And then, so they just got slapped and they took the ark. So we'll take your ark and go home. They sullied the reputation of the God of Israel. But trust me, the God of Israel does not need Israel to defend himself. (laughs) They made God look weak, but not for long. God defends his own glory. Of course, first he handled Dagon. We talked about that. (laughs) It's pretty easy to beat a piece of wood. Now he's got to take on the men. They're not going to be hard either. Let's go back to some of the text. The hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod. If God's hand is heavy on you, that's a nice way of saying you're in big trouble. He terrified and afflicted them with tumors. You get up in the morning, tumors everywhere. Right? All, all, if you live long enough, you'll have a, a good old-fashioned medical scare. Trust me. At 40, <laughs> I had a big medical scare. <laughs> right? Go to the doctor. And this is for those of you old enough to think this isn't too disgusting. He says, just hemorrhoids. But I was sure scared. <laughs> Some of you know what I mean. Some of you don't. You'll get it when you get that age. Someone, you know, my wife had some, a cyst on an ovary. Well, we better give you this other test, which tests for the big C word. It's a scare. Can you imagine everyone wakes up the next day? What the heck? There's tumors all over me. They're frightened. When the men of Ashdod saw how things were, they said the ark of God has done it. It can't stay with us. So they're passing around this ark. We don't want it. His hand is hard against us and against Dagon, our God. They didn't think to ditch Dagon. I don't know why. They sent, therefore, and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send the ark of God of Israel, get it away, and let it return to its own place so it's going to stop killing us. Look, when God's name is torn down, he will restore it himself. 
Christianity has survived and triumphed for 2,000 years, and there have been many times its epitaph was read, Christianity is going to die now. The Bible is going to be obsolete soon. And when I say many times, I mean in the first century, second century, third century, fourth century, the dark ages. You realize that the Muslims were taking over the world, killing all the Christians, and the Vikings were, had already killed the people in the first place, you know. God defends his own name. Many can lie about Jesus, attack Jesus. He will glorify himself. Um, But just to show you how recent this is, a British website called The Inquisitor declared that Christianity will be extinct in England by 2067. Man, they have some good scientists over there. They got down to the year. And then America follows right after, they say. They wouldn't give a date on us. Modern Ghana headline. This is from April of this year. Christianity will soon be extinct in Africa. That's a joke, by the way. There are millions and millions of Christians in southern Africa. There's over 100 million Christians in China. One of every three Koreans is a Christian. I mean, maybe you got a few million British people who are leaving the Anglican church. The Bible has been blasted by critics and clergy for centuries. I'm not worried. God always looks after his own name. I don't worry. About, I never worry about that. I hear them all. I hear all these prognostications about the church from, from, from Christians. How we're all going to just stop being. I don't believe it. In Iowa, where nothing good can happen. <laughs> I saw 2,000 college students pour into this church and they weren't even all Christians and they listened to the gospel and they do that every week. And if that can happen in Iowa, God can protect his name. But when it looks like all is lost, when Jesus went to the cross, that probably looked like all was lost. The demons thought they won. Satan had it won. Shame to the God of gods, defeat. In teaching his apostles, Jesus said this in John 12, now is my soul troubled, because he knew he had to die. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Jesus came to the earth to die, right? Born to die. If he got a tat, it would say born to die. See, Jesus on a Harley, rocking it, man. Born to die, baby. Feet up. <laughs> that is not the way you get glory. Right? That's not how you get glory. You, 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 glory comes born to triumph. How's glory happen when at his worst? The way glory happens is Jesus said, if I be lifted up on that cross, I'll draw all men to myself. He said, unless a grain of wheat fall to the earth and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The way the glory comes is at his death, the innocent one purchases your soul. He substitutes himself and is punished for you. 
Well, it looks like defeat when he's on that cross, but it feels like glory when I think about that. Can I get an amen? amen? So Jesus ended by saying this. For this purpose I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And he's talking about the cross. And listen, a voice from heaven, very rare, but here it is, said, I have glorified it, and I'll glorify it again. That's how God the Father comforted God the Son when he was in human form. You're gonna be lifted up. In fact, this one obscure little dude who died from this one people. All the other nations had no God. They didn't have the God of the Jews. Just the Jews had the God of the Jews. They had their own gods. Well, you know the history of the last 2,000 years, don't you? God's son has been lifted up. Millions and millions saved. More saved than burgers sold by McDonald's. Probably, I don't know. And he ain't stopping yet. Christianity's gonna be extinct. Let me tell you how this works. Kingdom of God is like a woman who takes a little bit of yeast and she works it into a big lump of dough until it goes throughout the whole thing. You ain't getting this yeast out of these human beings. So Egypt learned that. Pharaoh got slapped around. Philistines are learning it in our text. Even the cow glorified God. I wish I had more time for the sermons to talk about the cow, but we only have so much time and there's a lot in there. Doggone cows, their their babies are back saying, we want milk. And they're made by God to say, I got you. Cows are like, no, we work for God. We're gonna take this ark and we're gonna go down that road and we're gonna let ourselves be sacrificed for God and we're really happy about it, moo moo. And away they go. In our world, the day will come when God ends the disrespect given to him by mankind. Now, I'm not talking about you getting revenge on your enemies. We love our enemies. We were once our enemies, right? You were once an enemy of the cross, and now you're on his side. So we're here to bring him. But one day, God will defend himself. As the word says in 2 Thessalonians, this is evidence of the righteous judgment against of God. The door slammed in the face. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with afflictions those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the, okay, when's he gonna grant relief? You're like, you want, I want the relief now, right? You may get some now, but that's not the promise. Watch this. When does he grant relief? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. There will be a day when it's too late. For those who have not come to him, it's time for God to defend his honor and to defend his glory and for all those people and all those nations who say, we don't believe in you, we don't like you, we laugh at you, you're a big spaghetti monster or whatever they want to say. Where he says, okay, boom, enough. Turn the lights on, party's over. When Jesus is revealed from heaven with mighty angels and flaming fire and what is Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. I love the God of the New Testament because he's nice, not like the God of the Old Testament. Have you read Thessalonians? Check this dude out. First he's tatted up riding in on a Harley. Now look. Inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God 
and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. I was coexisting. You're in trouble now. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among you who have believed because our testimony to you was believed so you have faith. You who know Christ, on, you will be standing up on that day and you will be marveling at him and you'll be glorifying him and he will defend his name against those who refuse to do so. Have you received Christ as Savior? Because that day is coming fast and you want to be there. Third, the Lord God brought about repentance to Israel so that he could rescue them with his word. Simple idea here. Repentance, a change of heart. You gotta change your mind before you change your behavior. Repentance is the change of mind. You cannot be saved if you don't change your mind. If you do not humble yourself before God, you can't be saved. Israel was not in a good place. Even when they got the ark back, they were still worshiping other gods. They were rotten people. But God brought repentance to them so that he could rescue them because what God wants to do for every sinner is rescue them. Verse two, from that day, the ark was lodged in kiriath Jiriam. A long time passed, some 20 years. And all the house of the Lord lamented, of Israel lamented. Lament is sad crying, sadness, sorrow. Two decades after they got, there's a two decade space between this verse and the next one. <laughs> right? This is a book about Samuel. Well, Samuel, well, last we saw, last we saw our hero, he was a boy. Wherever age we last saw him, add 20 years. And during those 20 years, God did not. Make Israel great again. They lamented. He kept his hand on them. He kept it hurting. Why? So they could repent. In your life, the lives of some people who need to be saved, the lives of people who are saved but have not given their all to Christ like they once did, sometimes he keeps his hand heavy on you till you stop feeling sorry for yourself and repent. 1 Samuel 7, 3, which is not our text, but it's where we start next week, shows what comes after 20 years of lament. Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away your foreign gods and the asherah from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And what will he do? He will deliver you. God had his man in place. And when the people were ready to return, God was eager to save. The same is true today, which I want you to hear me. There's going to be a strange application. If you don't know Christ and you just keep coming here, we'll keep telling you about him. Eventually, he's going to give you faith or you're going to get out of here. I don't know. But most of you understand Christ. Can I make this simple? You should always be inviting people to church over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Same people, new people. You need to be inviting people to your church all the time. Why? So they can be saved. You never know when you're in the end of someone's 20 years of lament or the beginning. It doesn't matter. Well, I invited him 10 times. He didn't come. Well, maybe he'll come on 11. We won't wow them with our coffee. It's good coffee. We won't wow them with our donuts. They're good donuts. They can get them themselves. 
not have to listen to a sermon. We won't wow them with our songs. They don't listen to these songs on the radio. They're not going to go, hey, they got a guitar. They're so cool. I think I love Jesus. It's not going to happen. <laughs> they got a guitar. I love Jesus. That doesn't happen. Does not happen. Does not happen. I mean, our guitarist is awesome. But I got Robin Trower on Spotify. No offense. Right? But they'll hear the good news that Jesus Christ loves them. And will God forgive them even though they said no to church all those times? You bet he will. He loves to save us.